morning. Happy Thursday to you. Steve Sipple is out today. I'll tell you why in a second. I am Jake Sorensen. Uh, if you're curious what the hell's going on, I am live from my cousin's house in Muscatine, Iowa, which is part of the Quad Cities area. I did not want to travel all nine and a half hours last night. I feel I might have you know, made a mistake on the road. After a very, very couple grueling days, fun days in Indianapolis, but uh, I will make the rest of the drive following this show. Nick Sainert steps in for SIP. Nick, thank you for your help the last couple days and today. How are you? Good, good. We're, we're hanging in there. How far away from Lincoln is Muscatine, Iowa? It's, it's, it's about five hours exactly. So, okay. um, so the, drive from, the drive I took on Monday, I, I took a route that went, uh, you know, south on I-29 for a little bit. I didn't get to KC. I cut across at like St. Joe's to okay. Highway 36, which is a wonderful road. It's not an interstate. It's a wonderful highway. I would recommend it if you're going that way to take that. It was awesome. Not much construction, not much traffic. I was told to take that, and it was a great idea. Um, you know, it took highway that all the 36. way to Indies. Yeah, up to the, to the mm-hmm. north part of Missouri. Uh, and then, yeah, and, and then I got there, and then I took a different route. So I could come here last night and uh, see. I haven't seen these guys for a long time, so I thought I'd check in, and here I am uh, in Muscatine. But you, you're in a pretty dark room. Where are you? Like, oh yeah, I'm, are, I'm upstairs. Okay. Well, I could turn the light. I could turn the light on. I just don't really want to. Um, you know. Yeah, it's early. You can still see. You can see me off of the off the uh, the light of the screen. Oh, oh no, absolutely. Yeah, we can still see you, you just yeah. fine. Um, is is the time zone back to like where it's it's six a.m. Yeah, there? Yeah, okay. it, it's six a.m. So, yep. Okay, so, so I you're back. You're back on yeah. on your schedule. I I kind of get why people do this where they don't like come in the studio because like I just woke up a little bit ago and I, you know I had my stuff plugged in last night and here yeah. I am. So yeah. Hey, by the way. Uh, shoot us a text, 402-464-5685. Uh, if you're listening, a little roll call, I'd appreciate that. As I'm uh, on the road and Sip's not here, uh, Nick's helping out. Uh, shoot us your name, where you're listening from, uh, 464-5685. So regarding Sip, before we get into actual sports talk, um, he's had some travel issues. It, for, for for me, having to do the driving, like this is a long drive. <laughs> I've d- I've done ten hours before. I mean, it's not it's not hard, but like after grueling days where you worked, got up early, didn't sleep much, it's different. Mm-hmm. So so I, we told you on Mon- on Tuesday, Sips issues traveling. So he flew with you know with the, some on three guys to you know from Omaha to Charlotte. The flight at Charlotte got canceled to Indianapolis, so they instead had to fly to Cincinnati at like you know twelve thirty a.m. Tuesday morning. Got a rental car and got to. Indy like at 3.30 in the morning Eastern time for an event that started at 8.30, so they got like no sleep. Um, and, and then he, he texted me yesterday. I, I texted him in the morning or in the afternoon to say, hey, if you can't make it tomorrow, it's fine. Like I, I know you're traveling. You might get in late. Me and Nick can handle it. And he said, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to be there. I get a text, um, I don't know, around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock or so. No, 9, nine o'clock. Yeah. That said, I should, I should pull up right now. I have the exact text. You can we can do play by play here. It's one text. It it, uh, it it says this: plane in Indianapolis had smoke in the cockpit. <laughs> no crap. So we're driving to Peoria tonight. Rest of the way tomorrow. I'll see you on Friday. And there is the travel woes of Steve Sipple. Uh, it has not been a pleasant time flying for him. Smoke in the cockpit. That kind of sounds dangerous, though. 
Yeah, I, yeah, it sounds terrible. So I, I don't know if our guys, you know, I dropped our guys off at the airport uh, yesterday in Indianapolis right around mm, 3 o'clock Eastern time, so 2 o'clock Central time. They had a, I think they had a 5.30 flight okay. to Charlotte. So I don't know if they got back. I didn't hear from anybody at all. You'll know today if they're back, but I will be back, and I'm doing this right mm-hmm. now, so we're all good to go. Um, again, 464-5685, call or text as always. We appreciate your calls. Uh, Nick, we made it, man. Like I know. It, so so fall camp starts yesterday, and you know we don't, we don't have much of a scoop yet there. We'll get more you know, initial comments here later in the week regarding you know the, the early phases of fall camp, uh, and we'll get to get more of that here next segment too. But I, I tell you what, like, and you would know this, Nick, because you were – part of it the whole time you're mm-hmm. cutting up audio and just kind of seeing how it went but how how cool of an event is big 10 media days oh it, it's awesome like the 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 ability to have the access to not only nebraska's players it was a little different this year than what we were used to in the years past because of obviously fan day and and nebraska had a had quite a bit of a different schedule than they normally do number one or any other program right we, we know that we've we've discussed that um, where Scott Frost had to talk on the side podium for 40 minutes and then went up to the big podium and things like that. We didn't ma- maybe get the access to to Scott Frost specifically and the players, but we got to sit, sit down with Trev Alberts for 30 minutes. Like That's that's the upside of bringing guys like Vershawn and Jay there who have a personal relationship with Trev Alberts is because you don't usually get that kind of access And in, in all honesty. So that was a... A great upside of bringing, uh, excuse me, Jay and Vershawn, DP and, and Strick and you, Jake. You guys did a great job, number one. But number two, Big Ten Media Days just as a whole. I mean, it, you get awesome access. The The interview with Ronnie Hickman, once again, if you missed any of the interviews, they're on the TicketFM.com. They're all cut up. Yeah. And, and, and I highly encourage that you guys go over and check those out. Ronnie Hickman, the, the safety from Ohio State, was fascinating in my opinion. Um, but you also get the access and the conversations with with Michigan State and and James Franklin was was a, a passerby at one point and, and just like the the experiences of being able to be there for you guys it's it's awesome because uh, like I said once the season begins and once fall camp starts yeah, we, we get access but we don't get to have those type of conversations in, in yep, number one absolutely. that type of of organized setting where everyone's on the same page that those conversations are going to be happening over that, that span of a few days. I just really enjoy too, um, for media days, like that's a place. So, you know, Vershawn and Jay, they obviously, you know, Vershawn's, we all know Vershawn's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But man, that dude thrives in that environment. Like Vershawn is going up to everybody because he's excited. You know, he, he loves talking to all the the, the coaches. I mean, mm-hmm. and you saw it, Nick, yourself when you were board up. I mean, he 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 almost was like verbally assaulting Mel Tucker and James Franklin. Exactly. Like he's on the air and he's yelling, "Mel, get over here!" But Mel. nobody, like everyone's like you know scared to do that because it's weird. But he's yeah. like, "No, man," get and and Mel appreciated that. He wasn't like taken aback. And, exactly. And, you know. Same thing with uh, you know James Franklin. Franklin almost sat down. Like, he did. He, he, he did. He this paused is. for a second. I said he's like, no, 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 we got to go. He's like, okay, man, I'll, I'll get back to you eventually. But, but I just think I, I think that you know that that kind of energy and that the way he approaches it is so uncommon, and I think they appreciate that. I appreciated it. So, um, really proud of, of uh, you know DP and and and, and Strick and and VJ and uh, and and Jay for how that went. And like you said, you can check it all. On the, at the ticketfm.com, the podcast tab. Um, 
but it was fun. So some takeaways from yesterday regarding stuff at the podium. Uh, and by the way, on our on our airwaves, we had Xavier Henderson, Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, uh, Jalen Reed from Michigan State. Um, we had a couple other guys to step in and sit down, which was fun. Ronnie but Hickman, Isaiah Williams. Ronnie, yeah, Ronnie Hickman from Ohio State. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. So at the podium, I thought it was an interesting day. Uh, you know I, who I thought was, I think you agree with this, Nick, the, the most interesting was, once again, Mel Tucker. And, and by the way, Mel yeah. Tucker, every, you know, there's a lot of people that doubted that hire, and it's, it's still early. He, he, could, he could fail. You know, he, he had a wonderful first year. We all know that. The transfer and Kenneth Walker the third had a great year, and he's gone now. But... You know, there's a lot of people that said, you know, why, "Why would you take him?" You know, he he, he had an okay success at Colorado. He hadn't been a head coach before that when he was at Georgia. It's an interesting hire for Michigan State. Uh, that dude, his his swagger, Nick, like, yeah. and and his, uh, I'm just trying to find the right word. Like his his ceiling is is just, I, I feel so high. And I'm not sure, you know, what Michigan State can do. They they did make the playoff in the past years with Mark D'Antonio, so we know it's possible there. That's right, but. But man, everything he says, you just you just pay attention to the way he says it. He says it so confidently. Um, you know, he's talking to the podium about you know, several things. How at the Miami game last year, Michigan State, you know, they went inside a dome, cranked up the heat to get mm-hmm. prepared for that, and, and they won the game. You know, they were they were ready, you know they were uh, ready in the fourth. So ahead, no, sorry to interrupt, but I was actually going to bring that tweet up because I wanted to yeah, I wanted to do. let the yep. listeners know because I, it's fascinating. It's truly fascinating if you think about it. Um, it says this this came from Brett McMurphy uh, on Twitter. Michigan State's Mel Tucker said before playing at Miami last year, the Spartans practice indoor with the heat cranked up to prepare yeah. for the heat and humidity. He said, "quote I told the team if we could get to the fourth quarter, we'd be okay." Michigan State outscored Miami twenty-one to three in the fourth quarter alone and won thirty-eight to seventeen. See, I mean that stuff, Nick. I, again, I don't. I can't speak for for head coaches. I'm not. A, I'm not a football player. I'm not in those locker yeah. rooms. I don't know how that goes, but I, I can't say I've heard that many other places. Now I know that, like for the example, like when the Dolphins. I'm a Dolphins fan. They play in the AFC East. It's it's they're the only warm team out of three cold teams. That's I right. know they try to play with the wet football. And try to make things as cold as possible when they go play those teams, but it's not like it's, you know, that's they do that a couple times. This this is this is a, a one off for Mel Tucker, and for them to him to have that much awareness of hey, this is going to be a tough game. We can get worn down as a a school from up north in the in the heat. That's not going to happen. Um, that's just that is just so impressive to to have that, and it worked. You know, they they had a great fourth quarter. They won the game. And and think and think about this, Nick. If you're a player in that team, like think about the buy-in you have of of having that thought process through the week and seeing it actually work out. Like you have mm-hmm. extreme buy-in for your coach and that system and, and your staff. Just having that wherewithal to to think about that ahead of time and seeing it actually work yeah. with the strong fourth quarter. He preached. He was preaching it, and it, it happened. Like that's extreme buy-in right away. Well, it's easy to trust. Like once it does Absolutely. happen, and then they can come back now. Like if Mel Tucker comes back and goes, guys, look at this. We outscored them, whatever it was in the fourth quarter, and won the game pretty handily. Like the philosophy, the idea, it works. What we're doing here works. It, I, I'm looking at Mel Tucker's just like history over the last couple of years, and it's truly fascinating. Over the last four years, just how much Mel Tucker's life has has basically changed. 2018, he was the defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach for Georgia. Ends up getting hired at Colorado in 2019. Goes yep. five and seven. 
Right. Right? In a year that Nebraska should have beaten Colorado on the road. And then in uh, 2020, he goes to Michigan State, has a 2-5 and five record. Right. Then last year, 11-2, and two, gets a 10-year, $95 million deal. Like, right. I mean, it, holy smokes. Just, it changes the matter of a, of, a, of, a, of a blink of an eye. Yeah, exactly. So I was saying, that I mean, he didn't exactly have the, you know, beat Nebraska, but he didn't have a great year at Colorado. And then, like you said, the first year, two and five in the COVID year, wasn't like it was anything special. And then, yeah. boom, it worked. The, the portal was attacked. They converted in a lot of those guys they hit. I mean, they got a great running back in Kenneth Walker. Peyton Thorne is a, mm-hmm. certainly a, you know, above average quarterback. And, and boom, here, here they are. And, they, and, and we'll ask Mike Schaefer this later on in the show, but I, I, I wonder if Nick, if and I'm not trying to drink too much Kool Aid on Mel Tucker right now. I'm trying to calm down a little bit, but yeah. is there any chance that in the next five years we we consider Michigan State the top contender to Ohio State compared to Michigan or or Penn State in the Big Ten East? I, I don't know. I like even even if the, yesterday if that division even exists in you know three that, years that, with, with that's the new a good point. With the additions of USC, UCLA, and whoever else is on the way. That's a good point. Like I'm looking up at our stickers. I mean, you know, we have our stickers in the studio, and it's like. Over the last couple of years, it feels like Penn State had been in a situation where maybe Michigan State is going right now, where it's like, yeah, they're they're close, but they're not close to getting over the hump of, of Ohio State. Like, when you truly dive into what makes Ohio State really cook, like, it, it's, it's truly remarkable. Um, because what they've been able to do over the last X amount of years, whether it's Urban Meyer as the head co- coach or, or Ryan Day... It's truly incredible. Um, like Michigan State, here's the thing. Like I love Mel Tucker, and and, yep. and I love all the ideas of him sticking around at Michigan State, and and um, all, all the little like practicing with the heat up, like all those storylines, and and all the like the little nuggets of who, what kind of players he recruits specifically. But number one, if an if an NFL job comes calling, I'm not sure Mel Tucker stays at Michigan State. Yeah, and, yeah. and number two, uh, in, in all honesty, I'm not sure Mel Tucker has proven enough. Like, if you think about it, with the transfer portal, Jake, and this is a whole another can of worms that we don't necessarily need to open up. But we don't know if the the transfer portal is is sustainable, right? If you yeah. want, if you want to solely focus on the transfer portal to build your team and build your roster year after year. We don't know if it's sustainable. It very well could be, and in all honesty, Mel Tucker's probably the guy to find out if it's sustainable and make it make it figure out a way well, to I mean, make I it mean, work. Scott Frost might try too. If exactly, he's, still here. he's got to add fifteen guys this off season. If it worked for Nebraska, hey, they might keep that going too. And again, I, I think if you talk to Mel, you know, I don't know if Mel Tucker necessarily wants to take twenty guys a year in the portal. I think, exactly. I think, no, you know, he came into a situation where they were two and five that first year, and and uh, you know, he was trying to. Get it going, so they they took guys, and and some of those guys sat out the first year, but in general they took all those guys, and, and it worked out. And so we're, I'm curious where they go with that, but right now it's working. Um, more from Mel Tucker yesterday because uh, I th- I was just fascinated by him, and, and again his presence, and the you know he was at, he was at a table just to the next of us. We were trying to get him there, but I mean DP and and Vershaw were just like awestruck by the guy. They wanted mm-hmm. they wanted to have him come over. So we heard Pat Narduzzi, you know, kind of go crazy last week on a podcast right before ACC Media Days, you know, number one kind of bashing Mark Whipple, but also in that same podcast, you know, talking about the bowl game uh, against Pittsburgh uh, and Pat Narduzzi, 
and, oh, sorry, it's Michigan State, excuse me, Pat Narduzzi against Michigan State, and said that if Kenny Pickett played that game, you know, they win that. He's a 21-point difference, and they win that game. Um, my, Mel Tucker was asked about that yesterday. Uh, he says, quote, I really prefer not to go into hypotheticals, especially games that played in the past that were decided on the field, end yeah. quote from Mel Tucker. That's that's the proper way to answer that. Like, I, I'm not getting into the crap against Pat Narduzzi. Like, we won the game. Like, say what you – complain all you want. I'm not going to get in this beef with you. We won the game, fair and square. Get over it. You didn't play your guy, and we didn't have some guys out too. Uh, so I appreciate that from, from Mel Tucker. And then um, one more quote. This is, this is all via Brett McMurphy, who is at the Media Days also. He says, quote, nobody cares what you did last year. We need, we need to bring a championship to East Lansing. So loved what I heard from Mel Tucker. Um, let me ask you this, Nick. I, I feel like, again um, – Yesterday was 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 mostly you know it was you were curious about Michigan State, Penn State, James Franklin who didn't really didn't say much I thought of interest, and then Ryan Day who mm-hmm. if it wasn't clear those guys were on a mission to get back to the playoff I don't know what you were listening to I mean he he was they they said eleven and two is nowhere good enough we don't want to be just a a somewhat bold team we 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 intend to play for the championship I think if you're an Ohio State fan or somebody that watches the Big Ten. Like, Ryan Day was locked in, and he seemed like he was pissed about last year. I, I wonder, I, I would love to, to learn, not necessarily if the seat in, in, in Columbus is hot for Ryan Day, because I don't think you're there, right? Uh, but I, I don't know how comfortable it is for Ryan Day. Like, I, I truly don't. And, and somebody on the text line. The pressure's line, high there, Nick. Like, that's the, the thing. The, the pressure and the standards are high. And, and like Crowbait says on the text line, Ryan Day took a product that wasn't broken, so he didn't have to fix it. Right. But you also have to look at, at the ability to sustain a program over a course of however many years. And and with college football always changing from year after year with NIL and things like that, Ohio State and Ryan Day specifically, a first-time head coach, figured out a way to keep it rolling, right? And now yep. he understands, he, he truly understands and comprehends the idea that they compete for championships. And think about it, Ohio State – Obviously, hasn't won the playoffs since 2014, when the right. first year of the playoff, when they when they beat Oregon, and they played for the title in 2020. Got blessed they by did. Alabama. They did. They were there. Yeah, they did. After a really after a really impressive win against Clemson to even get there. Well, and you have to also remember in that 2020 Alabama game, Justin Fields was banged up in the title game. He yep. had that that rib yeah. injury. Um, but he had a, he had such a phenomenal semifinal game. Yeah, and it kind of an upset. Uh, but yeah, but they lost the title game though. Yeah, yeah. but it's just like Ryan Day. Um, Said I believe his quote yesterday was eleven and two in a Rose Bowl victory isn't good enough. I, like yeah, just to just to think about and this isn't even like a you don't even have to make it a Nebraska discussion. You can just make it just a general program discussion and compare what it takes to be an Ohio State and Alabama um, up in that echelon of teams compared to a team that's clawing and scratching for a bowl game. Like we yeah, ne- it's, Nebraska it's fans or, or any program that's just mediocre right now would kill for an eleven two season. And, but think and think about this for a second, Nick. And it's, it could always just be a one off though. But but Nebraska looked always bit as as good as Ohio State when they played them. I mean they that, they played a competitive game. Maybe Ohio State played bad that day. Maybe Nebraska just played better. I mean they lost by nine, but that was a game that Nebraska you know, felt like they were not totally mm-hmm. you know out talented or out out. Out play. They just lost the game. So, um, 
yeah, you feel light years away with what their expectations are, but then you watch the game last year and it felt like they actually had to close the gap a little bit, even mm-hmm. though they might have had a, just a bad game. But um, I, I like this too, Ryan Day. You're um, regarding last season. This is per, uh, CBS Sports article. Uh, we was, was asked like the players' mentality about that season. He says the players were a little scarred and a little calloused after that season. Nick, <laughs> eleven and two. Scarred and callous. It's, I just—it's hard for me to envision that, like being that as a player, after that That's, kind of season. Honestly, so and we're getting a lot of comparisons on the text line to to Frank Solich when he was walking in. You know, it's like kind of that set up to fail kind of thing. So I just want to run through Ryan Day's records real quick, okay? So in 2019 was his first full season, right? Because he he had to he had to take over part of the 2018 season, I believe, because. Urban Meyer had the health stuff going on and, and things like that. Um, 2019 was his first full season. Ryan Day went 13 and one. They finished in at third, ranked third in the in the the rankings. 2020, seven and one. Obviously, uh, COVID year. Maybe they shouldn't have played in the Big Ten. Been able to play in the Big Ten championship. They did anyway. They ended up losing in the national championship game. 2021, he's 11 and two. Finished sixth in the rankings. A career record at Ohio State. As a head coach, Ryan Day's thirty-four and four, and it feels like the pressure is just <laughs> kind of mounting there. Nick, Nick, thirty-four and four. Thirty-four and, and four. It's not good enough. It's an eighty. He's winning ninety percent of his games. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously smaller there, sample size. There are but, some expectations in this world that just aren't even attainable. Like you know, Nick Saban. Nick Saban, if he doesn't win the title, people want him fired at Alabama yeah. because they're crazy. They expect to win. You know, it's unbelievable. Like they expect to be. John Wooden with UCLA and just win you know ten straight titles and say that's what we that's what we do we don't we don't lose we just win them all um, <laughs> and there's going to be a day where Alabama fans realize they they probably didn't even appreciate Nick Saban enough they they love him. don't get me wrong they love him but um, the the sometimes the crap he gets for you know a season that didn't result like I, I imagine last year. There's a lot of anger when they lost to George in the title game mm-hmm. and people saying that he's washed up he's lost it he can't find his way back. Which is, of course, absolutely crazy. Uh, as they hand, as they enter this season as the big time favorites to win the entire championship. I, I told you, Nick, yesterday or two days ago, we were we were talking without sip uh, for the first hour that yeah. Alabama has has twenty players on the on the preseason All SEC team uh, of of three teams. Nobody else had more than nine in the conference. They had twenty. So, I think that Alabama will be just fine, and, and Nick Saban can certainly handle those expectations. But yeah, Ryan Day, thirty four and four. And it feels like it's not quite good enough. is is a scary place to live if you are both him and he, and actually even a Buckeyes fan because it, it ain't it's not just given, man. It's not just guaranteed. Have you do you know Nick Saban's record as a head coach at Alabama? It's it's uh it's something ridiculous. If you could pull it up, that'd be uh, awesome. One hundred and eighty three and twenty five. He's lost twenty five games in sixteen and, years. And I think he lost six games his first he year. He did. Nick. Including a in, loss in to 07. Louisiana Monroe. He lost to Louisiana Monroe uh, in that, that season. They, they lost six games. Yep. So ever since the first year in, in 07, you said? Yeah, 07 was his first year. So, he went 2-6. He went so he, he, he's lost 19 games in a span of 13 years since then. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, it's unbelievable. And, and every, for every single year since 08, there has been a point in time where Alabama was ranked number one. Every single year. The the lowest that they've started in the AP poll 
the lowest that they've started in the preseason in the AP poll since 09 was fifth, and it was in 09. Uh, unbelievable. Just yeah. and, and the bowl record, so in, in his 16 years, he's played in 21 bowl games because obviously you have since 2016, one, two, three, four, five, six uh, national championship appearances since 2016. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just unreal. I mean, they're they're uh, they're dominant. We all know that Bama just is 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 un, is ridiculous. Um, and it's it, you know I'm I'm curious whenever that you know whenever Saban leaves where they go to. We're all curious about that if they can keep that rolling. But um, you would think though, thing, you would yeah. think though with uh, with I mean they're they're cupboard of coaches that have you know filed through or you know worked through that that program under Saban. That they would have a plethora of choices, to where yes. I mean, all, I think of all the assistants that Saban's brought back or rejuvenated their coaching career for, by making them an offensive or defensive coordinator. Yep. Like it's truly unbelievable. So there's kind of a little breakdown from from media days yesterday, and, and anything Nick, if, as we go back to the first day with Nebraska and and, and um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know Iowa was out there, Northwestern, Maryland day one. Um, as you look back, was there was there anything from those two days that stood out the most to you? Was it from yesterday? Was it the, you know was it, what what was your your biggest takeaway that you had from media days if you had one? So I, I, obviously the putting the whole opening statement thing aside, like yep, it, it truly feels like Nebraska kind of has a chip on their shoulder, and I don't know if quiet confidence is the right descriptive word for it. But it just kind of feels like they're ready to just show it on the field. Like, they're all on the same page of, of listen, we can say whatever we want to say, but the the reality of it is that we are 15 and 29 in four years, and we need wins on Saturdays to change people's opinion about where the direction that this thing's heading. And, and like, they understand. They I, I, think it's, I think it's obvious that they know that there's a, an immense amount of pressure. Scott Frost said something along the lines of, listen, whenever you're coaching in, in a Big Ten school – there's going to be pressure, but in Nebraska, there's more, right? So he's like, yeah. listen, you know, pressure is not something I'm – this is new. It's not like it's it's new to have pressure just in year five and just because we're 15 and 29. However, I do think it's elevated a little bit as well. But I, I do think that there's a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Another thing that kind of stuck out to me, and I know we're going to kind of dive into this maybe later in the show, yeah. but is that Scott Frost mentioned that Chubba Purdy has kind of been uh, – that's the first time, like, obviously we haven't been able to talk to Scott Frost extensively over the course of the summer, but that's the first time that we've really solidified that Chubba Purdy is kind of in the thick of this thing. Yeah, I, I want to keep it right there, Nick, because I, I, want, I want to do that when we come back from break. So give us a call, 402-465-5685. Call or text as always. You can also watch us on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. We'll talk more about the quarterback battle in fall camp as camp has begun. More next on Early Break on the Ticket. <laughs> 